It's time for the Hokie Hour on the Tim Donnelly Show on the WRAD Talk Network. Now from the Mockadoo Studio, here's Tim Donnelly. Welcome back into the Tim Donnelly Show here on the Talk of the New River Valley, the WRAD Radio Network, 101.7, 103.5, and 1460 AM. It is a Monday. Thank you for starting not only your day, but your week with the Tim Donnelly Show. Also, I want to seriously put out a, a, a heartfelt thank you. This is our third week of, of mornings. Uh, we're waking up early. We're, we're, we're trying to put together the best show we possibly can, and the feedback has been absolutely awesome. Uh, so we, we, we genuinely appreciate everyone waking up and starting their day with us. And if you are not an early riser and maybe you're up early today just because it's a holiday or you're up early because it's a Monday, uh, you can always sleep in. I encourage you to, if, if you have the ability to sleep in, tr- uh, trust me, I think we all w- would not fault you for it, but then just catch it on the podcast. Uh, Tim Donnelly show podcast available everywhere. Podcasts can be found, including Apple podcasts. Um, it goes up as the show goes along. So, uh, you know, as our one ends, we get our one up on the podcast as soon as possible. As uh, our two ends, we get number two up as soon as possible. So you can really, uh, grab the podcast there and, and it's available obviously throughout the day. So, um, so, so please check the podcast if you can't wake up with us. And if you are waking up with us, thank you very, very much. Uh, and, and one of the ways that we pay you back is we get you covered. And that simply means if any conversation that you could stumble your way into today about sports, we give you a talking point on each of the big topics to make sure you can contribute something. You do not have to give us a bibliography. You do not have to cite your sources. As far as I'm concerned, all of these thoughts are as good as yours. It's got you covered. No one has time to catch all the games. Don't worry. Tim will get you covered. The NFL Conference Championships took place this past weekend, starting with the high-powered Chiefs offense against the ground and pound of the Titans. And once again, the Chiefs took a little bit longer to get out of bed, took a little bit longer to get started than they would have liked, found themselves down 10-0 against the Titans, and it was a different challenge than last week against Houston because the Titans presumably had a running game. However, the the Chiefs defense was able to bottle up Derrick Henry to the tune of 19 carries for 69 yards, well below the 100 yards uh, plus per game that he has been tallying. So the Chiefs were able to hop on the back of their talented quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, who not only threw the ball up and down the field, but ran the ball eight times for 53 yards and a touchdown, including a 27-yard touchdown that absolutely changed the game. Patrick Mahomes led the Chiefs to a 35-24 victory over the Titans to punch Andy Reid and the Chiefs ticket back into the Super Bowl and once again clarify that not only is Patrick Mahomes a complete alien, he is the face of the NFL now and moving forward. Thanks, Tom Brady. The torch was awesome while you carried it, but go ahead and pass it on to the young buck in Kansas City. Elsewhere in the conference championships, the Niners absolutely lit up the Packers to the tune of a 37-20 victory that did not feel that close. It was a 37-20 victory that only included eight passes from Jimmy Garoppolo. Eight. In the modern NFL where passing is king, eight passes, six completions, 77 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions for Jimmy G. So you may be saying, how in the world did they get to 37 touchdowns? Raheem Mostert, 29 carries, 220 yards, 
four touchdowns on the ground. If you can do that, fantastic. But I will say this. I would guess at some point in the Super Bowl, the 49ers will need Jimmy G to do more than be a game manager. Monster is great. Uh, Tevin Coleman got banged up. Whatever it is, the running game is awesome. The, the offensive line got, got work done. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to do something. Pay attention to the Titans for maybe the future of the Niners, right? The Titans were great when Derrick Henry was running the ball all over everyone. As soon as he got bottled up, Ryan Tannehill wasn't enough to get him the win and punch their ticket into the Super Bowl. The Niners may have a running game that's great, but the moment that it's not, Jimmy G is going to have to be good enough to stand up and fight for what he wants. Hokie fans, buckle up, right? Last week we dealt with uh, all of the news about the Baylor interview for Coach Fuente. The moment that got resolved, I put out a tweet that said, what's the next story? Because we knew it wasn't going to be business as usual through spring ball. That's just not the way the Hokies have operated over the last month, over the last year, over the last half decade. There's always something on the burner. And sure enough, a little bit more than 24 hours after we, we shore up the Coach Fuente news, Damon Hazleton puts his name inside the transfer portal. Now, Damon Hazleton is, is a transfer in from Ball State, but since he's been on campus, he's been arguably the best offensive weapon that the Hokies have. He's good, he's big, he's strong, he's fast. I call him a light version of Michael Thomas, and he will be missed if his trip into the portal turns into a trip into a transfer. He will be missed, particularly in the red zone, where he and Dalton Keene brought the size the Hokies needed. Between the 20s, they have Trey Turner. They have uh, Tavion Robinson. They have some young talent. However, they don't have the size outside of James Mitchell now to throw jump balls in the end zone, and the fade has been arguably their best touchdown-getting play of the last few seasons. So Damon Hazleton in the transfer portal, it's just another day in the life of Hokies football, another hurdle that they're going to have to hop over. Also, for the Hokies, a 71-69 loss to Syracuse on Saturday to split the season series with Coach Bayheim and the Orange. And it all came down to one play. The Hokies played well enough to be in the mix at the end of the game against Syracuse. They had the ball down two with seven seconds left. And what happened? It was a horrendous execution of their final play. Maybe even been only down one. Either way, they were within a touch, or excuse me, within a score of getting the victory. They inbounded it to Landers Nolly. He threw it to Jalen Cohn on the wing, who threw it back to Landers Nolly. And from the logo at midcourt, he pulled up for a three, hit nothing but backboard. It was not the way the play was designed. It was not the way they were supposed to execute. They had options. They had time. The shot was put up with 4.5 seconds. It is a young team. I get it. That is not an excuse anymore. At the beginning of the year, I would have written this off as youth. However, when you play the way they've played through the beginning part of their schedule, they've shown that they're better than that, and we should expect better than that. Welcome back into the Tim Donnelly Show here on the talk of the New River Valley, WRAD 101.7, 103.5, and 1460 AM. I'm Tim Donnelly alongside producer Lobro. Uh, did, did we miss a caller? Did miss a caller. Call right. us back. Call us back if, if we missed you. It's the Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. Sorry about that. 540-639-4900, the Baker Team Hotline. Now, as you heard me say in, in the, the Gotcha Covered segment, um, Damon Hazleton is in the portal. Damon Hazleton was, was at multiple times in, in the season for the Virginia Tech Hokies over the last two seasons. 
best offensive weapon they had. So I'm not here to gloss over the fact that, that he is out. I'm not here to gloss over the fact that, that Damon Hazleton is, is looking to go elsewhere. I'm here to emphasize the importance of him missing. And actually, we had that caller call back in. So let's go ahead and take that caller on the, the Baker team hotline. We got Fred on the Baker team hotline. All right, Fred. How's it going? Hey, Tim. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. I got a little ditty to sing for the Packer Nation today. Don't, don't be, I got a tear in my beer because my blackers are flying back to Lambeau. But anyway, uh, it hurts, man. But uh would have liked to have seen the replay of uh, NFL, AFL championship number one mm-hmm. with uh, Big Vince and uh, Hank Stram without his toupee. <laughs> All right. He had uh, one of the I... worst ones in the biz, I'm telling you. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, that's it for me this morning. And uh, uh, even lost a shekel or two. But that's all I'll say. You all, all have right. a good one. Thanks, Fred. Uh, that's uh, he's a Packers fan, so he's he's in a he's in a place right now, as as a lot of Packers fans are. They 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 beat themselves up. Uh, Damon Hazelton is in the portal, um, and, and as I said, I'm not here to gloss over the fact that he's gone. Um, and, but I'm also not here to be doomsday. I, I'm here to be realistic and say uh, Damon Hazleton was a really good player, is a really good player. I don't know why I'm saying was like he's passed away. He's in the transfer portal. He's, he's a good player. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. He's injury prone. But when he is on the field, he is a difference maker. He will be missed by this Hokies team. And it's starting to get to the point where uh, one of my my big reasons for optimism going into next season for the Hokies involved um, involved quite a bit of of hey, you know, forty two out of forty four starters returning, all twenty one out of twenty two, uh, sorry, forty two out of forty four on the two deep depth chart returning, twenty one out of twenty two starters returning, and suddenly you look at that and you say, all right, it was twenty one out of twenty two because Reggie Floyd was graduating. Then Deshaun McLeese declared for the NFL draft, so now you're down to 20 of 22. Then Dalton Keene declared for the NFL draft, you're down to 19 of 22. Then Damon Hazleton uh, puts his name in the transfer portal, so you're likely down to 18 of 22. You look at the 2D roster and you see guys like Dylan Rivers uh, retiring due to to injury, and, and you realize maybe the returning amount of, of of talent isn't as much as we thought. Now Virginia Tech's still in a good good spot; they were still very young, but but Keene and Hazelton might have been the two most important weapons to the offense. And and to pretend like like their departures wouldn't affect the offense would be irresponsible. Ignoring it would be ignorant. And, and where will those two be felt the most? I would say down in the red zone. The high leverage situation where gaps are smaller, windows are tighter, and you have to find a way to get it into the end zone. Damon Hazleton has been a wizard on, on, on fade balls. If, if anywhere, uh, Dalton Keene has been as important as anyone in scoring touchdowns, both as a blocker for, for James Mitchell and as a pass catcher. And And... Make no mistake about it, the most important thing you do in football is score a touchdown. Right? If, if, if your defense holds them to zero, but your offense scores zero, it doesn't matter. You have to score points. Those two guys were quintessential 
They were keystone species. They were necessary towards the Virginia Tech offense getting in the end zone. Now, the wide receiver room is is still talented, and we're going to talk about that in a second, but Virginia Tech invested three years of practice reps and two years of game reps in Damon Hazleton. And they will not see the fruits of that labor as a senior. I talk about this often, but but football in college is now a zero-sum game, meaning there is a finite number of practice reps and game reps that you can pass out to your team. Right, So if you give game reps and practice reps during your limited amount of practice time and during obviously your limited number of, of plays in a game, if you give those plays to a player who is an underclassman or, or a junior, you are expecting to be, to be the beneficiary of any experience and wisdom gained on those plays. Damon Hazleton over the last two years has improved tremendously because of the opportunity Virginia Tech gave him. Right? He, has, he has recognized more defenses. He has seen more, more live bullets, to use the metaphor, live action defensive techniques against him in games, and he has learned how to combat and defeat those techniques. He is a better player now because of the reps he took, and he took those reps away from someone else, and now Virginia Tech will not see the fruits of that labor. They will not get to benefit from those abilities, and that is a problem. I say this often. It it should not be that players are not allowed to transfer. I hope that Damon Hazleton, if he does transfer, gets the waiver necessary to play right away wherever he wants because that's what I believe players should be able to do. But you should make your program one that other that, that excuse me, that your players do not want to transfer to other programs away from. You have to make your program fun enough, supportive enough, successful enough that players like Damon Hazleton would never think about leaving. That's what is the responsibility of the Virginia Tech coaching staff. We're going to dive in further into this Damon Hazleton situation when we come back when it comes to how the fan base reacted to Hazleton and his announcement of departure next. The best sports talk in the NRV returns next. The Tim Donnelly Show is on WRAD. Tim Donnelly Show continuing talk of the New River Valley, WRAD, 101.7, 103.5, and 1460 AM. Um, the fan reaction to Damon Hazleton has been interesting. Now, 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 after I made my initial observation, it was brought up to me that on the actual post that Damon Hazleton made announcing that he was entering the transfer portal, thanking Hokie Nation and all of those sorts of things, um, there was mostly positive, right? An overwhelming positive people wishing him luck, which, which I think is, is correct which I think is the right way to handle things, which I believe is, is, is a, a gold star for Hokie Nation. But my first observation when I heard the news um, was that there was an overwhelming amount of very practical, very, very, I don't, I don't know what the word is, very calculated, very kind of unattached reactions to Damon Hazelton uh, announcing his 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 entering the portal, M- many of them were simply that room's talented, running from competition. Many of them were Jaden Payute, the 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 All American redshirt freshman this upcoming season was is ready to take over. Many of them were Trey Turner was the real number one anyway. 
And, and it, it stuck out to me for a very simple reason. And, and that reason is, if you are that replaceable by people that seem to care about you, you better, as a player, look out for number one. Right? It, look out for yourself. Make the decision that you believe is best for you at every single turn. Because the moment you make a decision that the the fans don't see as best for the program, they are going to mentally replace you. And I'm not saying that it's wrong on anyone's standpoint, right? If the player is going to move on, the fans have to move on. And that's their right. But you have to recognize that that the, the fan base is first and foremost a fan of the jersey that you wear. They are first and foremost a fan of the program that you play for. So, so, so you can love them while you're wearing that jersey and, and be engulfed in their, their praise when you're wearing that jersey. But understand that the reason they love you is because you're wearing that jersey. Think about how arbitrary a decision like what college a kid goes to actually is. Right? For, for everyone that's not an athlete, it's just like a nice conversation piece at a dinner party. Right? Hey, where are you going to school this summer? Where are you going to school this fall? I guess I should say. Hey, did you get your SAT scores? All right, where are we looking? Where are we going? Right? It's, it's like the question that your parents' friends ask you at, at their company party that you attend. At the cookout. Hey, where are you going? And the answer could be anything, right? Local community college, going straight into the workforce, going to Harvard, going to an ACC school, going to an SEC school, going to the local, uh, the local university, whatever it is. It's just, oh, yeah, nice. Congratulations. But for an athlete, where they choose to go to school is deciding which group of thousands and thousands and thousands of people are going to absolutely love you. The moment a recruit commits to Virginia Tech, Hokie Nation engulfs them in love. But the moment they commit to North Carolina, there's thousands of people in Chapel Hill that will engulf them in love, and Virginia Tech will not. It's hard to believe that they actually care about you first and foremost when when that arbitrary decision of where you go to college is the reason they started being interested in you in the first place. So I'm not saying that the uh, that Hokie Nation has some responsibility to shoulder any of the load as Damon Hazelton moves along, but what I am saying is if he believes, if he has the conversation with the people he trusts, if he believes that it is best for him, if he believes that it is best for himself, for Damon Hazelton to explore his options and potentially go somewhere else, he has a responsibility towards his future to do so. And, and not look back. Because see, there, there's a whole other, other program somewhere, a whole other fan base that is going to love him the moment he steps on campus. Just like if this defensive end from Temple that visited Virginia Tech this past year comes to Virginia Tech, it's not like he is going to miss the, the, the overwhelming love that Temple gave him the past few years. It is just going to be replaced with the overwhelming excitement that Virginia Tech fans will foist upon him the moment he commits. Players are replaceable. Yes. All of them. There's always someone 
coming up behind them that wants to take their position. So let's not expect the players to treat fan bases like they are anything but replaceable as well. We're going to take a break. When we come back, favorite portion of Hokie Hour, it's time for Hashtag Hokies. We're back. WRAD Radio Network. Time for our favorite segment of Hokie Hour. It's time for Hashtag Hokies. Hashtag Hokies is real simple. We go deep into the underbelly of the internet, find some tweets that start conversations that we want to have, drag them up into the light, and have those conversations right here on the Tim Donnelly Show. Uh, Although I will say this, we're, we're not exactly going deep into the underbelly of the internet today. Uh, we're not bringing up tweets from individuals that hide behind a picture that doesn't show their face and a username that doesn't I- identify them. We're, we're going to some people that, that we know for a fact are attached to these, these Twitter handles. Beginning with Lino Lupinetti, who is the Virginia Tech recruiting assistant for football, he simply posted a two-word, one-picture tweet, said coming soon with, with pictures, drawings, plans, for a new uh, for upgrades to the Virginia Tech dorms for athletes, performance center, weight room, and meeting rooms, and this was met with overwhelming support. Uh, I saw Justin Hamilton tweeting about it. Saw Adam Lechtenberg tweeting about it. Right, the Virginia Tech coaches were using that tweet as a a recruiting standoff, and 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 I agree. Right, this is a big improvement. It is a necessary jump for the Hokies when it comes to facilities. They need better everything. But I also want to point something out. This is catch-up, right? This is catch-up. This is, is getting on par with everyone else. These facilities will not suddenly be a, a huge, huge standout a uh, bonus advantage for the Hokies in recruiting, right? The, the, the pictures that I saw, even when completed, will not be something that when recruits come on campus, you show it to them and they go, ha, 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 can I sign right now? I was talking with Sean Glennon, uh, former Virginia Tech uh, Hokie quarterback who visited all over the place, right? He was a four-star, visited uh, colleges all up and down the East Coast, and and he talks about with this this new uh, performance center and everything. He says, "Oh my gosh, if that was there when I was committing, I, I would have committed as soon as I saw it. I would have committed on the spot." That's compared to what what the Hokies had back in two thousand and three when he was being recruited. That's not going to happen. Recruits are not going to walk into these new facilities and go, "Where can I sign?" Does someone have a pen? They're playing catch-up to other programs that Virginia Tech is recruiting against. So now what you are, what you are now going to have is it won't be a detractor. right? You're not going to have to recruit in spite of the, the facilities that you have. And that's just the, the, the honest truth, right? You have to pour millions of dollars into your program seemingly every single offseason. And I'm not talking about like a million. I'm talking about like $10 million every offseason if you want to be one of the programs that can use facilities as an advantage in recruiting. If you, you spend like Virginia Tech does, it is definitely going to be more of a uh, – it is going to be more of a 
let's be middle of the pack. Let's be someone that can can use our tradition, use our ability to create NFL players, use our success as a program over the last 25 years to recruit and have our facilities be good enough that that it's not working against us. So that's what the the tweet from Lino Lupinetti, uh, the Virginia Tech recruiting assistant, tells me. Fairly soon, right? As soon as 2021, Virginia Tech can be on a level playing field with most programs. Still behind the Clemsons of the world, but on a level playing field with most programs when it comes to recruiting. So you don't have to over-recruit everything that you say. Here's the next uh, hashtag Hokies. And again, it comes from someone we know at RTD underscore Mike Barber. That's Richmond Times Dispatch underscore Mike Barber. We've had him on the show. Uh, he said that he, he tweeted out this quote from Mike Young following the Syracuse game. This is uh, word for word from Mike Barber. Mike Young asked what he drew up for the final play, a deep three by Nolly. Exactly what we got. Didn't you like it? Looked good, didn't it? That wasn't what we drew up, but he was going to be a part of it, meaning Nolly. We made the wrong play. That is on Mike Young. That's not on my team. Give it up for him. Give it up for Mike Young. Maybe you need to go to a coach who's been a a head coach in in college basketball for a decade and a half plus. Maybe you need to go to a coach who's been a coach in college basketball for 30 plus years. Maybe you need to go to a coach who grew up in Radford right here in the NRV who's now coaching for his hometown team that he grew up going to watch games of to finally find someone who gets it. To finally find someone who understands. There's, there's, it's, it's the simplest mantra. It is leadership 101. If I ever become a teacher, a professor at a university, the one class I feel I could teach is leadership 101. And, and the first three weeks of class, I'm going over one sentence. Accept blame, attract blame, and deflect credit. It's so simple. Quarterbacks, coaches, defensive leaders, point guards, listen up. Please listen up. Captains, listen up. Accept blame, deflect credit. That's what Mike Young is doing here. Did he draw up a play that was better than the final play of the game against Syracuse? Absolutely. Did he do his job? Absolutely. Could he look at his players and say, I don't know what in the ever-loving heck they were doing out there? Absolutely. But what would that accomplish? Nothing. So instead, what does he do? He stands in front of his his team like a defensive parent and takes the arrows in his back to make sure they remain unharmed. That is on Mike Young. That is not on my team. You accept blame. And when they have a big win later this season, and they're going to have big wins later this season, when they get hot from three like they were for portions of Syracuse with Nahima Lean making five and Jalen Cohn making four, when they get hot and knock off some top 10 team in the country, I am willing to guarantee that Mike Young will be up there saying, it's not me. It's the kids. It's the team. Sure, I drew up some plays, but they executed. It's not me. Because he understands, accept blame, 
deflect credit. When everyone wants to praise you, it's not you. It's the team. When everyone wants to blame you, you're right. I should be blamed. It's not that difficult. I honestly believe this, and maybe I'm being naive, but I obviously believe this. If a coach, a player, uh, an administrator simply gave me a call before they addressed the media at any point in time, I believe I could make them the most popular person on campus. But to be honest with you, I don't think I have to, I don't think I have to coach up Mike Young. Coach Fuente, another story. He, he could use, he, he could use some, some media help. Mike Young, though? Handles it, man. Handles it. The good and the bad. Face the barrel of the gun. Stare at the questions. Answer them. Accept blame. Deflect credit. Four words goes so far as a leader. I used to have stupid little rules uh, when I addressed the media. Rules that no one enforced upon me. I enforced upon myself. Rules like every single question you're asked, credit the offensive line. I tell you right now, I will do verbal gymnastics as a quarterback to mention the offensive line. You had a huge game passing. Uh, uh, What happened in the third quarter that changed everything? Well, first of all, the offensive line gave me the time I needed to throw the ball. Without them, I wouldn't have been able to make the adjustments that we made in the second half. Now, those adjustments were, and you answer the question. You had a really tough game there through, through two interceptions. Defense bailed you out. How do you feel having a defense like that? Well, first of all, uh, it could have been three or four interceptions if I didn't have an offensive line giving me all the time in the world. Like you, you make it a priority. Mike Young has his priorities. He is going to defend his team. And I, you know what? The, the, the best part about it is I know for a fact in meetings, in film, in the postgame locker room, he was saying, that's not what we drew up. You didn't execute. You needed to make this pass. You needed to do this in private, right? When it's, when it's the door is shut and it's them being, being a family, but publicly, no, 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 no. You come to me. It's like, it's literally like having a little brother, right? When you're inside the house, you call your little brother, every name in the book, right? Oh, this Idiot, this nerd, he's so annoying. Oh my gosh, I can't. As soon as you're outside that house, anyone says anything about your little brother, it's about to be, it's about to go down. Mike Young can tell his kids they didn't execute. Everyone else says Mike Young didn't execute. And that's how he wants it. It's leadership 101. Let's talk about that game. Let's talk about Syracuse. Let's talk about Virginia Tech when we come back. Not just about how Mike Young leads them, but about how they played on Saturday. Stick around. Get your Hokies fix with Tim. More of the Tim Donnelly Show next on WRAD. Tim Donnelly Show continuing. Talk of the New River Valley, WRAD, 101.7, 103.5, 1460 AM. As the sun rises on this Monday morning, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, maybe everyone that normally is up listening in the six o'clock hour is finally getting up. Maybe now because uh, you know it's it's a day off, vacation, celebrate, enjoy, but also you know think about and, and honor MLK as well. Uh, let's talk a little Syracuse versus Virginia Tech. A seventy-one sixty-nine loss for the Hokies. Obviously, the thing that everyone wants to point out and the thing that I've talked about the most is the final play of the game. Every team should have a play that is well-rehearsed 
for that almost exact situation, right? Need a bucket, losing the game, seven seconds on the clock, uh, half-court inbound. It should be your best half-court sideline inbounds play that you have, and, and it should be rehearsed often. And and because Mike Young is a coach that I trust, I, I do believe um, – I do believe that it is – I do believe that they had it, right? I believe that they had it. It's like a good two-point conversion play. If you're a good coach, your offense has a good two-point conversion play. It's practice, it's rehearsed, and the team knows they're going to go to it. Uh, same thing uh, for basketball. You, depending on the opponent, during the week or during the days leading up to the game, you know what play is going to be called if it comes down to – seven seconds, six seconds, five seconds, four seconds, whatever it is, uh, 10 seconds, and you need a bucket. So so I know the Hokies had a play drawn up. It just didn't get executed. Instead, what happened was the ball was inbounded to Landers Nolly. He went to the left wing to Jalen Cohn. He went back to Landers Nolly up near the logo. From NBA range, he pulled up from three, clanked it off the left side of the backboard. Now, this is a good thing for the Hokies. I'm saying there's no excuse. Right, the, the the overwhelming response that I've heard has been they're a young team, right? You either win or you learn. They're learning from this. They're a young team. It is with all of the respect and compliment in the world that I say, no excuse. As well as they have played this season already, they are too good and they've proven to be too good to let that type of, of moment rattle them. They are too good to let a win in the Atlantic Coast Conference slip away through their fingers like that. Young, old, indifferent. Experienced, inexperienced, irrelevant. They are too good to let a win slip through their fingers like that. Especially when, other than that final play, I thought they played a good game. Right, Syracuse presents unique challenges, and they struggled with them, but they fought through them. They found the hot shooters. Naheem Aline off the bench, uh, I mean, 17 points on five of six shooting from three. You can't ask for more than that. Six for seven on the game. You can't ask for better than that, and they found him. Right, Sometimes against a team like Syracuse that's going to play that 2-3 zone um, always, it's just a matter of figuring out as quick as you can which one of your guys is going to be the guy that the the basket looks big to that day? And Virginia Tech had to rifle through a couple, right? Uh, Wabisabidi took some took some shots. Landers Nolly was off from deep. P.J. Horn uh, is an active player. Hunter Couture took some shots early in the shot clock. Uh, Jalen Cohn had some success, four of eight from three, uh, 14 points, right? You And then finally, they found Naheem Aline off the bench. And Aline scored 17, and Aline had 5-3. So I give Virginia Tech credit for not panicking throughout the game. They were down big at some points and and down big in the first half at some points. But they worked it, 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 found Aline, worked it, worked it, got Aline going, worked it, worked it, benefit from him being on fire, worked it, worked it, worked it, until finally they had a chance to win at the end, which makes losing so much more tough to swallow. Because they they did the things that you need to do to beat Syracuse. Right? You you understand what I'm getting at here? 
they raised the bar on the expectations for their play this year. That's a good thing. Being disappointed after a loss is a good thing. If I if I was like, oh man, tough one, they're young, moved on, that would that would have been me saying because they're young, they're being held back. I'm saying there should be nothing holding them back. They played well enough to win the game on Saturday. They played well enough to stick in that top four in the ACC on Saturday. That's that's nothing to laugh at. That's something to, to, to play for. That's something on the line. Top four in the ACC is absolutely zero joke, and if they would have won against Syracuse, they still would have been in that situation. So I'm not going to write off the final possession as something to learn from. You should learn from it like you should all your mistakes, but I'm counting it as something to be disappointed in. And, and, and Mike Young took the blame as he should. Players took the blame as they should. Accept blame, deflect credit. Remember, we just talked about that. But you have to, have to, have to, have to, have to understand that they are better than what they showed on that final possession. They played better on Saturday than what they showed on that final possession. And they flat out should have won. They should have been able to grind out a win out of the jaws of defeat. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we have yet to talk about the Niners beating the Packers. That's next. Stick around. 